Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Wilson, your old legion of boom in Seattle is gone. Is the dynasty over? Hi, I'm Wilson Grant, and if it's anyone's fault, it's Pete Carroll's. I mean, well, maybe if you had run the ball instead of throwing it straight to Malcolm Butler, it might be a whole other scenario. Alright, boys and girls, today I am joined by my friend and passionate Seattle Seahawks fan, Mr. Wilson Grant. On today's episode, a possible blown call in Boston, possible hope in New York, and possible panic in Green Bay. But we begin today with Aaron Judge's continued wrist issues. Excuse me. Judge has been activated from the DL to play defense and run the bases, but not to hit. Wilson, what does this tell you about Judge's ability to play this year? Well, I believe it's certainly good news for the Yankees at a first glance. And it really shows that Judge will do all he can for his team. The biggest question I have is what effect this will have on Judge and ultimately the Yankees. He's obviously one of their best players, and unless he's hitting and playing like he was before the injury, the Yankees aren't looking good come time of October. I mean, you said it earlier, Judge is the best player on the Yankees. I, I, would, I would go as far to say he's top 10 in the league just because of how, how hard he hits that ball. But I'm a, if Judge can come back, it is trouble for the Astros, the Red Sox, and the Indians, especially, and Oakland, because I'm a... Luis Severino has been pitching a little bit better lately, I'm not going to lie, but I'm, uh, and if Judge comes back, it's full-on trouble. I know that the Yankees have a horrendous pitching staff, not other than Severino, but I'm, uh, if Judge comes back, that just, it just boosts morale throughout that lineup, which, and I'm a Red Sox fan, so I hate saying that. I couldn't agree more. If Judge can swing a bat fully, it's trouble for other teams. Now, with Judge's arch-rival in Boston... Several Astro players are mad following a disputed slide call from Jose Altuve because, from multiple angles, it looks as if Altuve was safe, but the umpire saw it different. Liam, what do you think about this? Well, uh, I'll tell you what I do think about this and what I don't think about this. I'll start with what I don't think about this. I don't think Astro's players should be very mad because, uh, do you really think that umpires would have made the call that they made if they didn't have convincing evidence that Altuve was out? I mean, I mean... If you look at the replay, Xander Bogarts made a terrible throw, and I'm, and I'm, Sandy Leone is one of the best defensive catchers in the league, and I'm a, there was a similar slide tag last year when the Red Sox were at Minute Maid. This wasn't in the playoffs, but it was on Altuve, so I'm a, I, I think it's a little bit of history repeats itself in this case, but I'm a, if it does matter, this is the scenario in which it will matter. If the Astros don't end up winning the division, then it's a big deal, especially if it's by one game, because I'm a... That's a run off the board if he is safe. And uh, like I said before, I'm a Red Sox fan, but I'm a. Uh, and if we end up winning home field advantage by one game, which is very unlikely, don't get me wrong, given how far ahead we are, but I'm a. Uh, it could be a huge deal. Yeah, I really couldn't agree more. I mean, I know bad calls happen all the time, but at least when watching through the videos, I mean, there's not much really you could have done for that. It could have gone either way, giving like in time. Alright, right, I'm going to say it again. If the division winners don't change, then it isn't really a big deal. Now, we go back to New York, but in the NFL. Sam Darnold shined in his debut as a Jet, going 16 for 21 with 198 yards and two touchdowns. And while the numbers aren't eye-popping, it shows great efficiency, given it took him only 21 pass attempts to get to almost 200 yards. The Jets won the game 48-17 in Detroit. Wilson... What do you think about this? Could Darnold win Rookie of the Year? I mean, if he keeps up his performance for Week 1, he could certainly give Saquon and other, uh, others a run for their money. 
Although to be able to get a good look at this, we'll really need to like keep an eye on him tomorrow during the or versus the Dolphins to see if he can keep up these amazing stats. All right, and you make a good point. The Dolphins, I I believe that the Miami Dolphins have a much better defense than the Detroit Lions. And do you know do you know if the game is in Miami or New York? Because uh, that could have a huge impact. I believe the game is in Miami, although I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean the game's in Miami. That's a that's not an easy place to play. The Patriots have. Lost there multiple times in the past couple of years, so that's not an easy place to play. But I'm a, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to be better this year with Ryan Tannehill back at quarterback. And I'm a, I don't know what happened to Matthew Stafford in Detroit. I don't know. It may be because Detroit is much better against their division opponents. I don't know. But I'm a, it was a fiasco for Detroit Lions and their fans. But I'm, I'm going to say this. If Donald can keep up this efficiency, he gets it with that question. But I... I do think he needs to throw for more yards because 198 yards isn't going to get the job done every week, especially against the juggernauts, which the Jets are facing this year. New England, Green Bay, Minnesota. Those are, and then they have to face that that newly revamped Chicago Bears defense later this year. So it is very important that Darnold throw more throw for more yards. I would agree. If the Jets have a quarterback throwing 200 plus yards, things are looking bright for them. This would have been covered last week if it weren't for the NFL special, but Mets third baseman Todd Frazier attempted or admitted to not catching a foul ball that was initially thought that he did. The Mets would go on to win that game against the LA Dodgers, possibly affecting playoff position. Liam, how big is the deal is this? Well, I'm going to say this again. I mean, we touched upon this earlier when we were talking about the Astros Red Sox call, but I'm a, the LA Dodgers are locked in a three-card Monty with the Colorado Rockies and Arizona Diamondbacks. It is back and forth, back and forth, over and over and over again. And, a, and if they end up losing that division by one game, that is going to be potentially problematic. I mean, Dodgers fans probably already hate Todd Frazier since they ended up losing that game. I mean, who knows what would have happened if Frazier did admit to not catching the ball. And I'm, uh, I mean, I think they lost the game by four runs, but I'm a... Uh, who knows, maybe whomever was pitching for the Mets that night would have struck him out on the very next pitch. I mean, you never know, but it could be, um, uh, what's the word, grieving. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if they won that game, I think that they would have either been tied or half a game ahead of the Rockies for first place in the NL West. And if the playoffs started right now with the standings, it would be, where'd it go? It would be the Rockies, uh, Cubs, Brewers, Braves, and either the Cardinals or the Dodgers. So that can really come down to the wire. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, I think we have five set teams in the AL. Boston, New York, Cleveland, Houston, and Oakland. But the NL is wide open except for the Chicago Cubs. I think they're a lock to win that division. But I'm a, I honestly think that this could be very costly for the Dodgers come, if, you, if it comes down to it. And for someone with the nickname Todd Father... Shame on him for not telling the truth. Aaron Rodgers worked his magic Sunday night, leading the Green Bay Packers to a 24-23 comeback victory. But his status for tomorrow's game against Minnesota is questionable due to a bad knee. Remember that Rodgers suffered a broken collarbone last year that derailed him for the rest of the season. Wilson, is this new knee injury a big concern? Well, once again, a uh, great comeback by Green Bay. In regards to Aaron's injury, it could provide big, pro big problems to the Green Bay offense which is completely reliant on a quarterback like Rodgers. They've designed their offense to thrive under a quarterback who can work under pressure like Rodgers can and make those big throws. Without him, they are really going to struggle against a strong team and defense in the Minnesota Vikings. Well, I mean, I'm going to say a couple things before I get to my point. It's not, we don't, 
we think he's going to play. We don't know for sure whether or not he's out, but who knows how it will affect his game. But I'm a, And you made an interesting point about how the offense revolves around him. I mean, they traded away their Rodgers' favorite target, Jordy Nelson, to the Oakland Raiders this offseason. I don't know what Mike McCarthy was thinking there, so I'm a, that really does, drives me crazy because I like the Green Bay Packers. I like them a lot. They're a good team. I've always liked Aaron Rodgers. I've always liked Jordy Nelson, but I'm a, now they traded Nelson to Oakland, where John Gruden is currently playing chaos after trading Khalil Mack for a couple draft picks. But I'm a, it, Rodgers needs to be 100% if Green Bay has any shot at getting far this year. I mean, I was talking a while back, I talked to Connor Adsgary about this. Rodgers has so much pressure on him this year, especially with that new salary. Especially, yeah, because I know uh, he missed practice on Thursday uh, Thursday afternoon, but he was there yesterday, and uh, the head coach, Mike McCarthy, said that really the big indicator of whether or not he plays tomorrow is how he's feeling today in practice. Oh, uh, yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, if Green Bay wants, a chance, wants to have a chance to win, they'll need to play him. Aaron Rodgers said himself that he's a quarterback, that he's been in the league for a long time. He doesn't really need a big warm-up, but, I mean, it's really coming down to the wire, even if Rodgers plays. If not, I don't think there's any hope. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we have been in special format for the past two episodes with the fantasy football special being two weeks ago and the NFL preview special being a week ago. But today, the most game is back, the history lesson is back, and who you got is back. But before we get into the first of those segments, the most game, here's the fantasy football update. Team McGinnis, Team Arnton, and Team Perot came away with victories, while Team Adsgar, Team Abach, and unfortunately, my team came away with the L's. Now it's time for the most game, where a word will be placed after the word most, and we will debate categories in sports that apply to the phrase, and today's phrase is most underrated. So many athletes, coaches, and teams don't get enough respect, and we're going to talk about it now. We will start with the most underrated NBA coach. Oh, this isn't even a question. I'd like to say Brad Stevens, but he gets enough respect as it is. Dwayne Casey. What were the Toronto Raptors thinking firing Dwayne Casey? I know he's lost to LeBron in three straight years, but I'm a, LeBron James is LeBron James, and there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, if someone told me that LeBron is not the reason for Dwayne Casey getting fired, they I would call them crazy because Dwayne Casey led the Toronto Raptors to their best season in franchise history, that, and they ran into LeBron at the wrong time. So I'm a, the Raptors definitely made a huge mistake by firing Dwayne Casey, and the Detroit Pistons made a great decision by hiring him. Yeah, I'm really not sure what they're thinking. But for me, I'm actually going to say uh, Luke Walton with the Lakers. Ooh. After starting a year with a rough record of 11-27, and 27, Walton did what much coaches don't have the guts to do. He changed around his entire rotation and limited the time of veterans such as Lopez and Brewer. He turned the team around throughout the season, and with an obvious addition in LeBron James, the Lakers are looking at a top six team in the West. Absolutely. I mean, it pains me to say this, but the future is bright now, like, I mean, I know we've talked about this multiple times. They have a colorful cast of sporting characters with them. Uh, Michael Beasley and JaVale McGee. You can't call that chaotic. I mean, it's going to be bad for but, the Rockets. Yeah, I, it is bad for the Rockets. I mean, Luke Walton's a great coach. I mean, I saw him coach earlier this year, um, last season when I saw the Rockets play the Lakers. And I'm a, he led the Lakers to a victory that game. So things can get chaotic for other teams. Next up. Most underrated NFL team. Okay, I'm going to go out on a stretch, and I'm going to say the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, Cincy. I mean, 
If we're talking about underrated, I believe they are underrated. I don't think they have a chance at the Super Bowl, although uh, from last year, I think they're going to have like a one-and-done team this year like they did a few years ago. Oh. They improved their O-line, which was their big struggle last year, and players such as John Ross, who had a rough season, are looking strong and healthy again, which will only help going forward. I mean, yeah, you're right. The Cincinnati Bengals have gone one-and-done over the past couple of years, but I'm a, I don't really think they're that underrated. I mean, A.J. Green is great, but... They, they had exciting times in Cincinnati. Now, this is a very, very tough thing to think about because it's so early in the season. But I'm, uh, oh, man, who do I pick? I'm going with the Houston Texans. People have been picking Jacksonville to win their division, and I picked them two a week ago, no lie. But I'm, uh, people are forgetting how good Deshaun Watson was. I mean, he ran to New England last week, and their, their defense was really good that game, which... Which surprised me greatly since I've been very critical of New England's defense on this podcast. But I'm, uh, Deshaun Watson has bright features ahead. And then with uh, JJ and Merciless back, things are exciting for them in uh, Houston. Yeah, I mean, certainly I couldn't agree more. So, on the first episode of the podcast, the most overrated NBA players do two bold answers. Who's the most underrated player, though? Alright, just to remind fans, Michael McGinnis' answer was Russell Westbrook. My answer was Steph Curry, and my most underrated player is exactly that, underrated. He is overlooked because of the star power and where he plays, and he is he doesn't really, hasn't really gotten to the playoffs much in recent years because of him, uh, another superstar that kind of ruined the chemistry, in my opinion. The most underrated player in the NBA is Drew Holiday. Holiday was fantastic in that playoff series against Portland, and the uh, once DeMarcus Cousins went down, I think he really started to thrive with Anthony Davis. I mean, now, I I have always hated DeMarcus Cousins. Now even more because he went to Golden State. But I'm a... Drew Holiday is a very overlooked player. And I'm a... Now that DeMarcus Cousins is gone, I think exciting times are in New Orleans. Anthony Davis is their leader. And I mean, Nikola Miritich was great in, when he signed with them. I know they lost Rajon Rondo. But I'm a... Things are looking good for the New Orleans Pelicans, even with all these moves in the West. I mean, I really couldn't agree. And for my most underrated NBA player, I could obviously uh, obviously say Eric Bledsoe, who was regarded as one of the most underrated NBA players. But I want to bring up Clay Thompson into the conversation, actually. Really? For my point, most people say that he's extremely overrated, although I don't share that same opinion. You could put him on any almost any other NBA team other than the Warriors, and he would thrive. He's a deadly three-point shooter, ar- arguably looking better than Curry right now this offseason. As well as he's working on his handles, which is only going to give rise to a deadly wing player for the Warriors. Yeah, he's definitely overlooked because of all that star power in Golden State. It pains me to say it, but I do have a Clay Thompson poster up in my room. I'm looking at it as we speak, and I'm, uh, I've always liked him, but I'm, uh, if he was on, I don't know, New Orleans, for example, with Anthony Davis, with Drew Holiday running the point, then that would be a, that would be an exciting team to watch. And he's a free agent next year, so you never know. Alright, we have one more most underrated MLB team. Alright, so for MLB team, I said the Oakland A's. They're a strong team in the AL East behind, or AL West behind the Astros right now. They are built of a strong offense alongside a deep bullpen with closer uh, Blake Tran, arguably the best closer in the league right now. They're coming off of a bad 2017 season where they finished last in the AL West, 26 games behind my Astros. 
I don't see them going through their projected wild card game matchup against the Yankees. Although you have to give them some credit. Oh, I'm giving them. I'm giving them a lot of credit. I think they have the best bullpen in baseball right now. I mean, I wish my Red Sox had their bullpen because our bullpen is atrocious. You of all people know that, given what happened this past weekend. All right, but I'm a. My answer, I'm going with a very young team that's been overlooked this year because of the Washington Nationals' struggles and how well the Cubs are doing in the NLS race. I'm saying the Atlanta Braves. I am a big Ronald Acuna Jr. fan. and I'm a, My grandfather, if he was listening to this, he doesn't have Wi-Fi, but if, he would listen, if he's listening to this, he would be very happy right now because he's a Braves fan. The future is very bright in Atlanta. I, I, I know Ozzy Albies has struggled since the All-Star break. I know... But Ronald Acuna has turned it on. I know Nick Markakis has been great all year. They're and they're they rebolstered their pitching at the trade deadline, adding Kevin Gossman. So I'm a, I definitely think Atlanta is a big, 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 big threat to get to the World Series. Okay, time for the history lesson, boys and girls, where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. On this day today, we wish Miami Dolphins great Dan Marino a happy 57th birthday. And 67 years ago tomorrow, September 16th, the first NFL game was played with Cleveland beating Philadelphia 35-10. Man, can you imagine if Cleveland beat Philadelphia 35-10 in today's NFL? That would not happen. 22 years ago, to, uh, Tuesday, September 18th, Roger Clemens struck out 20 batters for the second time in his career. Clemens, to this day, remains one of the greatest pitchers. And also one of the biggest traders in Red Sox history, might I add. 71 years ago, Wednesday, September 19th, Jackie Robinson was named Rookie of the Year. This victory gave Rob... Uh, uh, sorry. This victory helped Robinson pave the way for African-American baseball players. 49 years ago, Thursday, September 20th, Mickey Mantle hit his 536th and final career home run. Mantle remains one of the greatest switch hitters of all time to this day. And it pains me to say this since I'm a big Sox fan, but we don't give Mickey Mantle enough credit. He was a very influential hitter in the game. Okay, the show is almost over, so it is time for Who You Got, where we will spotlight one key matchup across all three leagues, and we will start in the NBA. Who You Got having a better year, DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley? Alright, so first off with Ayton, he's a strong seven-footer that can move around just like a guard. This kind of crazy athleticism at that size compares back to Blake Griffin in his college days. Bagley, on the other hand, has crazy athleticism as well, but he's not as filled out as Aiton. As well, DeAndre has a great shot, though, or not great, but it's decent, that will only increase his range as he goes through the NBA. Bagley has a decent shot as well, but it's pretty flat and takes some time to get off. When it comes to their play under the post and rebounds, I gotta give the slightest edge to Bagley. And one of the reasons for that, for Bagley's dominance on offensive rebounds, is just the playing style of Duke that they had. Overall, I give Aiden the dub due to his dominance throughout the court and supports to his team, and hopefully the Suns. Although, I believe that their status of better player will change game to game basis. Alright, so I'm, uh, I'm taking this in point as what teams they're playing for. Phoenix knows what they're doing. They traded away a dis- un- an unhappy Eric Bledsoe. They've made a couple of moves this year. They added Trevor Ariza in free agency. They made the trade for Ryan Anderson for some reason, which actually helps the Rockets, if you ask me. And uh, But Sacramento is, I'm going to say it, a chamber pot of a franchise. They have wasted multiple draft picks over the years. They wasted one of their picks on Willie Colley-Stein. I mean, he's a good defender, but he hasn't been great. 
I'm a Justin Jackson, still developing, but I'm a traded away DeMarcus Cousins. So I'm a, because Phoenix knows what they're doing more than Sacramento does, I'm giving the edge to DeAndre Ayton. All right, next in the NFL is who you got on Sunday night football, the Giants or the Cowboys? Giants. Giants, no question about it. I mean, I hate Dak Prescott. I hate Ezekiel Elliott. Dallas is only going downhill, if you ask me. I'm taking the New York Giants, who actually came pretty close to beating the Jacksonville Jaguars a week ago. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I say if the Giants hope to win, they need to put a hold on Zeke and force Prescott to beat them with his arm, which, looking back at week one, I don't think looks good for the Cowboys. Keeping it short and simple, I've got to give this one to the Cowboys in a close and well-fought game. All right, last one in the MLB. My Red Sox and the Yankees square off for three games in the Bronx this week. Who you got? I mean, is this really a question? The Red Sox are going to win this series, and unless Boston has a terrible game and Yankees have a great game, it's going to be a sweep. No questions in my mind. All right, unless yeah, I, I agree. Unless unless they get judged back, the Red Sox own this team, especially with JD Martinez and hitting the way he is. And have you noticed Mookie Betts has been even hotter lately than he normally is? Yes. All right, that's it today, boys and girls. I'm Wilson Grant. I am Liam Griffin. I would like to thank Wilson for being my guest today and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Thanks again, and we will see you next week.